Welcome to the Suffering Podcast. Each week, we walk you through how suffering is the way to sustainable success and the path to greatness. We are now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any other major podcast platform. Please subscribe and like to get the latest episodes as soon as they drop. You can always find our latest episodes at thesufferingpodcast.buzzsprout.com. Please comment. We may even read your comments on future podcasts and even reach out to you for a future guest spot. Like and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for The Suffering Podcast. Here you'll see links to episodes, updates, and inside information on how to achieve greatness through the joy of suffering. So get ready, sit down, and strap in. We are proud to introduce the Dented Development Project. In conjunction with the Suffering Podcast, the Dented Development Project is a nonprofit 501c3 with a mission. That's to help first responders and their families repair dents caused by suffering. Visit us at DentedDevelopmentProject.com and get involved today. Helping us means that we can take care of those who take care of us. Sit your ass, Sit your down. ass down. Sit your ass Sit your down. 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 Let's talk about the suffering. It's time to start the pain. Sit your ass down. Sit your ass down. And strap in. This is gonna hurt. Gonna hurt. This is gonna hurt. Gonna hurt. Let's talk about the suffering. It's time to start the pain. This is gonna hurt. It's time for the Suffering Podcast. We all need a little relief from time to time. And there's a new product out there that I want you to go check out. It's called Heroes Relief Wine. This wine's gonna benefit four organizations dedicated to relieving the heavy burdens that weigh on our military and first responders' shoulders. These are people who take care of us. It's time we start returning the favor. This wine's gonna benefit Live Free Farm, a veteran-run and owned animal sanctuary dedicated to the healing of invisible scars through animal therapy. 23rd Hour Angels, the healing team is comprised of three beautiful women that rescue military and first responders from the burdens that trauma causes. Dented Development Project and the Suffering Podcast help repair dents caused by suffering in first responders and their families by showing how there is light in the end of the tunnel. So go to oldyorksellers.com and search for Heroes Relief Wine or check our show notes for the link. All new Suffering Podcast gear is here. The show depends heavily on our supporters to get the word out. Let people know that suffering is a team sport and no one is alone in their struggles. Wearing the Suffering Podcast merchandise accomplishes that goal. Check out our store at thesufferingpodcast.com or check our show notes for the link. Your support and love means everything to us. The hardest battle that we fight with suffering is the suffering that we impose on ourselves. Oftentimes, we are our own worst enemies and there are no limits on the amount of justice that we can levy upon ourselves. We can get so wrapped up in our own world that we throw caution to the wind and tarnish everything that we work for to attain what we think is important. We slip, we fall, but we remain human. To be human means you're fallible. We err, but we pick ourselves up and use our fallibility for the greater good. The man sitting across from me has fallen hard, and he's very candid, open, honest, about his past transgressions. The story you're about to listen to has been well documented and discussed. Every time I listen to his story, it hurts. It pains me to see one of our own, a fellow law enforcement officer, fall so hard. But the final chapter that will be his story is now being written. And that is how he will rise and use his prior life to benefit those in our community to avoid going down the same path as he did. I'm Kevin Donaldson here with Mike Felace, on this episode of The Suffering Podcast, we're in the studio with Michael Dowd of the famed 7-5 documentary. He's told his tale on Joe Rogan and countless other shows. All you got to do is look him up, and he is all over the place. We're here to talk about the suffering of a cop's fall from grace. Today, we're going to find out how Mike has used his suffering to write the next chapter in his life. Mike, 
thanks so much for doing this. I know, listen, you're a big star. We had, the, we, you had all sorts of riders in your contract to come in here and, you know, we had to give like brown M&Ms, no red M&Ms. Oh my God. <laughs> I couldn't believe. I got to get with my agent on that. <laughs> I couldn't believe when the limo pulled up out front. Oh, yeah, no, I was like, what, what? You guys are going to open another investigation on me. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I drove my Toyota here in 2004. <laughs> I asked for gas money though, I will admit. <laughs> I got to tell you what, brother, man, you have lived some life really lived some life. And for those of you who are unaware of Michael's story, I want you to just give us a little background on where you come from and why you are the Michael Dowd on Instagram. Instagram. Yeah, isn't that something? Uh, it's funny. Uh, how I got the Michael Dowd, I was actually doing some yard work home from prison, and I'll digress in a minute. But And a guy says to me, he pulls up, he's dropping off a um, log splitter at my home the home I'm living in with my, at the time, current and current friend, but at the time, my girlfriend, <laughs> now we're friends. And, uh, <laughs> that's, an, that's another that, episode. That's, yeah, that's, oh boy, that's a good one. <laughs> I might be better than this whole thing. <laughs> cameras involved and everything. Anyway, yeah. so, <laughs> more cameras. He dropped it off a log splitter and, and he has that, that look. He's like, like a retired cop, you know, we all look the same. And there's some mannerisms about us. And he goes, uh, are you the Michael Dowd? I, I went, wait a minute. I guess so. I, I get, yeah, I mean, what does that mean? I'm like, what do you mean? You know, the one, the, no, the I go, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> so going back, um, you know, so I, I'm, I'm just one of seven children, one to a New York city fireman, you know, and, and born in 61. So I'm getting old. I'm 60 years old now. My God. <laughs> Thank God. I'm not the oldest guy in the room again. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I used to be the youngest guy in the room, you know, and now I'm always the oldest guy basically wherever I go now. But however, especially when you're around cops, because most cops don't last you after 60. Eh. Right. Wait, what's 57, 58? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? you're done. So, but you know, maybe I'm lucky I got jammed up. But anyway, so uh, long story short, you know, uh, I come from one of seven. My, my whole family's in the fire department, the police departments, you know, we're all civil service. You have a I, legacy to fulfill. Yeah. Irish, uh, you know, Irish slums, but we did we did okay. We all did okay, except for myself because of the path I chose. But arguably, and we're going to get to this. Arguably, you are the shining light of one of seven. Well, you know, in in a dark way, you, you, in a dark way, but you still are the shining. You light. You know, I was the shining light when I was the one of the seven. Right? You know, because I was the the the. the the bright one or the, the, the adroit one, the one that could make something happen. <laughs> Isn't that special? You know, I'm the one that can make something happen. So give me the keys to the fucking bank. I'll make it, I'll make something happen. Right. I mean, uh, you know, you know, cause you know, really when you think about it, we all have certain roles in families. And one of my roles in the family was to bring the family to the next level. So I did. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. <laughs> Unfortunately, it wasn't the level that they want. It was next level down instead of next level up. Bring them up by any means possible. Any means possible. Sure. So uh, you know, I was going to be the doctor the lawyer, the accountant, you know, one of, you yeah. know, dad was a firefighter and struggled our whole lives, but we had a nice life, but the struggles were there. So anyway, I come up from that type of upbringing, uh, born in Brooklyn, raised on Long Island, athletic somewhat, <laughs> not anymore. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, so we did that. And we uh, all are declining with age. It's, it, well, you know, uh, you, you give up <laughs> neck surgeries now yeah. to my left yeah. and to my, and to myself, I, I need neck surgery. It was a it was a life of fun. I had s s siblings to play with all day long. We played sports. We fought. We learned how to live lives back then. And then I ended up in the police department somehow. You know, took a few tests, and it wasn't my goal in life, but it was in front of me. It was what you know. Funny story. So I made my trans transition from technically the business approach or medical approach, whatever it was, into uh, into the police field because I had no mentor in the business world. My dad was a fireman. What kind right. of business sense did he have other than to put food on the other table? Other than don't be a fireman. Yeah, other than, well, that's how I grew up. You know, yeah. Don't be a fireman unless, or, or just be a fireman. Don't be a police officer, but take the test. Anyway, so that's how we grew up, you know, mm -hmm. and I had no mentor in the, in the, in the public field, you know? So when I, I looked at it and I said, well, what do I do? You know, it's, I'm at that age where I have to make some decisions. And the only thing I knew was the civil service. You know, and, and like like one person on my block was in the, in, the, in a business. Everybody else was firemen and cops. I mean, I'm talking there was 60 to 70 firemen and cops on my block when we grew up. All right. So really, what was I going to do? Take the test. Take the next test. Take the sanitation test. I mean, that's just the, the mentality we grew up in. So here I am with that in front of me and, and the choice to go into that or the business world. And I, you know, I, I suckered out. You know, I, I said, all right, let me take the, the test. And, and then I went from there. And you know what? I, I loved being a police officer. Once I you, really did. Once you get in early 80s when you came up, it wasn't as difficult because the pay wasn't as competitive. Right. 
which sort of plays into your story a little bit more. Right. You graduated the academy with this huge class. You're one of thousands. 3,800. Yeah. 3,800. I can't imagine a police academy that big. I graduated the academy with 47 yeah, people. Yeah, I, I, think, yeah. I think that's My about what I My classroom had 38 or 42 people or something it's like, like a that. full-time in it. college. In it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Full. full. So- you get out of the. Pool. It was two, it was two shifts. It was a day day class and an evening class, and we would shift every every week. We would switch switch from evening to day. I mean, it was incredible. You know, it was massive, massive. So you built certain bonds inside the police academy that carried on to. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. It was you know, and 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 I don't know about you guys, but I'm sure you know because you're even more intimate, you know. Right. But yeah, for the smaller classes, but. You know your group. Oh, I thought you meant me and Kevin were. You guys, oh, I heard you. I've heard you a lot of stories about your, in, your intimacy. <laughs> I'm not ready for that. Although Bubba from the cell in block two two twenty two, I have to say he tried. <laughs> Mike, Mike, I don't like short guys. I got to tell you right yeah. now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and bald guys. Well, I don't know. Then I'm worried. <laughs> you brought me in for what? <laughs> so you build these bonds. You go on. Now, did you get put directly into the seven five? No. So I started out in uh, what the well, NSU, Neighborhood Stabilization Unit. I think I'm getting it right. It's been a while. Right. And I started out in, I think it was 16, and that was in Queens, and it covered, really it covered some of the nicer, busier, but nicer parts of Corona, Jackson Heights, Elmhurst. There's a couple of the small communities in there. And, and, and so what was really good about that was that was the cocaine capital of America. Right. Of America, that was it. And one of our first training films and, and arriving to the 110 precinct is where we started out was a shooting with a cop who opened up a garage door and he happened to cross the stash being guarded by, you know, one of Pablo's stashes being guarded by one of his guards in Queens. He opened, Escobar. Yeah, Escobar. Really? Yeah. Wow. One of his stash houses in Queens. They opened up the garage door. I think they were shaking the place down if you want to know my opinion. But, <laughs> but I'm not going to disparage the guy for not because I don't know everything. But I'm, I heard some stories later on. At the time, you're a rookie being introduced to this whole thing. And this is what happens in this precinct. You right. know? So they give you a little example of that. And as this guy gets shot, cop gets shot. And you know, I don't remember if he dies. I can't. So I want to be even disparaging that way. But I do know that it was impactful. And, and, and so I'm a young kid. I don't really know what the fuck this means but i know it's dangerous so <clears throat> so they, my first day um they put me out on if anybody knows the area roosevelt avenue and and, and um and junction boulevard it's my first post ever in my lifetime i walk up there and i got a gun and a badge and i got no radio <laughs> i'm by myself call boxes. i'm by myself they go make sure you bring a dime at the, i've been for a quarter or, i can't remember if it was a quarter or a dime at the time in case you need help <laughs> i'm like oh my fucking word what did i do <laughs> but there had to be some sort of rush involved in you just had an officer in a shooting. As scary as it was, right? As scary as that was, there had to be what? Like, wow, this this is something. I, I, watching it, you know, you, you know, you're a young rookie baby. You know, you don't you don't even know what it is to be a cop yet. You, you know, you just in this. You're in the academy. You know, you never touched a street with a gun and a badge on. My first experience was leaving the, the graduation. So I walked out of Madison Square Garden with 3,750 cops, whatever it was. And a woman says to me, officer, officer, I'm looking for the officer. I'm in uniform. My father, the fireman, retired, is standing next to me going, Mike, I think she's calling you. Me? What? Oh, that's right. I'm a police officer. So, you know, how would I know? No one ever called me officer, you know? Right. You called a lot of things in the academy, yeah, but not yeah, officer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, the two-star general. Anyway, so... Uh, they, they put me, so she goes, well, do you know where Macy's is? I don't know where the fuck Macy's is. I'm not a shopper. <laughs> so anyway, my father knew where Macy's was. Uh, so he says, tell her, go two blocks and make a right. You know what we all do anyway. To make two rights and make another right. You'll be back where you are. Yeah. But, uh, and, you're, and you're long out of there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm gone. So, of course, he knew where it was. I gave her the directions. I'm like, holy fuck, I am a police officer. This is real. Like, that was my first real. When reality hits. Yeah. Like, slaps you in the face yeah. a little people bit, right? gonna, I mean, 21 years old i didn't even shave i had three whiskers they're gonna they're asking me for questions i'm like oh my god anyway so yeah so the reality we hit right then at that moment as it graduated but you know of course then you you put it away as you go you you, you go on with your life and you show up at your first command oh my god how scary is that right. you show up at your first command oh my god am i gonna do everything right or wrong with, with the, the creased pants and the yeah, shiny badge oh, and, and everything's brand new yeah. and the leather squeaks and shit you know i'm like oh god. you know you don't know how stupid you look <laughs> i hate to say that because it's it's a charming position to be in but not necessarily when you look at the old timers. You're like, oh fuck. You get these, they get respect, and now I know why. You, you know? get these grizzly veterans. <laughs> oh jeez, like 
yeah. Put uh, we know chocolate on there. You yeah, know, they, we they know. buff their yeah. stuff with yeah. chocolate bars. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, yeah, they, yeah. But you're 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 new. You're coming out of the academy. You got your first command. You see your first damage. Right, like, right. Uh, you know, well, so that was the training film, and then and then I'm on I'm I'm on standing on Roosevelt Avenue. So 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 it's actually an interesting day. <clears throat> and I'm, dr- I'm walking. What do you do as a rookie? You walk up and down your post like seven hundred times. You, know? <laughs> you have no idea what you're doing. You're just walking up and down. And 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 I pass uh, this. Um, <laughs> can't believe this story because I'm stupid. Anyway, <laughs> you, I walked past this, uh, you're on Roosevelt Avenue. If anybody knows who does, if they're listening to the story, it's loaded with cafes, bars, restaurants. <laughs> and, and behind the bar, you can see through the window is this amazing looking, because uh, I don't really, uh, Latino w- woman, gorgeous, right? So I keep, I, for some reason, I keep ending up at the same location <laughs> looking in the same window. <laughs> anyway, uh, some guy at the bar waves me in. I'm a good guy. I, you know, I want to be social. Right. So sure. I step into the bar. My first day in uniform, I'm already broken like 15 different codes. You're not allowed to be in uniform in a bar in a ever. Bar. That's, without, what the stripes, that's what without, the stripes for. Without permission. You know. So P.S. Here I am. And the guy's saying, hey, have a, let me buy you a beer. I'm drinking, you know, back then it was like a six-ounce glass, you know, like right. from the tap, you know. From a, for like a quarter. There's, a, yeah, 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 there's a, still a local bar yeah, around here that does that. It was like a 50-cent beer the guy was buying, and he was the mailman. So he knew everybody. <laughs> P.S. Long story short, I got two or three of these little beers in me, and I'm like already buzzing. And I'm looking at this barmaid, and I'm, 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 we're, about, we're about to make love, even though we haven't even said hello yet. So there, that was my first day. And I got in trouble. <laughs> my, my sergeant, my, I covered myself. My, where were you? I mean, what do you mean, where was I? I was standing right here. He goes, I drove by. I didn't see you. I said, but well, I was behind the dumpster. <laughs> I, I don't fuck I was. With the Latino girl? <laughs> yeah. I wasn't. No, but in my mind, I am. <laughs> so, yeah. So, it was my first day. And, 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 and so, so, what happens is I go to the command for uh, lunch because it was only six blocks away or whatever it was. I went, if anyone knows the area, I was in 110 Precinct. So, I went from down Junction Boulevard to, um, I can't name the street off the top of my head, but to, to the precinct. I walk in and the lieutenant at the desk says, uh, Officer Dowd. That's me again, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. I'm an officer. Uh, and he says, I just want you to know that when you were standing there on the corner of such and such, whatever corner it was, you had your hand on your gun. I said, did I do anything wrong? He says, no, but someone called up and said, it looks like this cop is scared to death on the corner. <laughs> and I'm afraid to walk by with my kids. <laughs> oh, God. So that's my first day. All the way back in the <laughs> Hello. 80s. Hello. Because <laughs> Listen, I was guilty of that so many times because it's a nice little handle. Yeah, it was a rest. A nice little handle. It was a good rest, you know. Yeah. So anyway, so that's my first you day. You know, I, I always. And I was excited. Yeah. I never thought that it was like intimidating. I always had my hand or my arm on my gun. Yeah. You know, it was just, like you said, it was one on the radio, one on the gun. Yeah. You get introduced. I had no radio. You had yeah, no. Yeah, then we short. Well, <laughs> they, then you just don't know what to do yeah. with your left hand. <laughs> yeah. he, had the, he had the quarter picture, in his left hand. Yeah, picture it. I'm like this, <laughs> <laughs> waiting to make that phone call. Yeah. So you go. Eventually, you do get transferred over to the seven five, the Fame right. seven five. Right. Like I said, your your story's so well documented. It's I don't want to relive it for no. the thousandth time for you. Right. But what the one question I want to I want to talk to you about is the first time. You decided to break your oath right. as a police officer. Was that the most difficult or did it feel normal? Okay, so I broke my oath every day. But anyway, that's not the point. <laughs> he, was drinking, he was drinking beer on his first day. <laughs> my first day. Yeah. I'm talking about okay. really drinking right, beer. See, see, now we all justify things, right? I broke my oath the first day. Okay, but that's not counting. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, in other words, I was human, right, for the first month of, or six months or a year and a half of my of career. And then the inhumane decisions took place and that was basically based on the fact that I, I, I was angry i became angry which is a normal human emotion but what was the where was the source of the anger i was angry that for, okay so angry f- for several reasons and you guys can relate to this a little bit i, I, I was pulled over by a bunch of cops <laughs> i can't even make this story up i was pulled over while doing a car stop what <laughs> I'm doing a car stop, and a, car, a p- patrolman pulls up behind me, like does a car stop on me while I'm doing a car stop on some guy. And what <laughs> they're do you not do? there for backup. What, yeah, yeah. What are you doing here in our sector? I thought they were there. Oh, great! They're here, Vinny and Tony. Whatever the fuck. They're doing. Anyway, but I mean, they pull, and yeah, you think so? They pull up on me, and and uh, I'm like, what the fuck is this? And they're grilling me, like, what are you doing here? Why are you making car stops in our sector? And I'm like, what the fuck is doing? We're all blue, right? Yeah, I, I, yeah. Yeah, I mean. 
all right, we all have a little little space that we want. Uh, we want to run it a little bit, I guess. You know, this is East New York, motherfucker. This this blood everywhere. You worried about me making a car stop in your sector? <laughs> I don't get it. And sure enough, I got it. I mean, like they didn't want me near their restaurants. Well, she was just a three <laughs> in the whole fucking precinct. You don't go to our restaurants, stay out of our area. And I'm like, okay, this is more about their contracts, their commitments, their uh, agreements, whatever it is. I mean, I figured it out quick enough. I was a business guy. I, I right. get it. I get it. Protection I, orders. I, I studied business. Uh, yeah. So, um, so I, I quickly understood that it was about some kind of arrangements for them. It intrigued me and it pissed me off for them to treat me that way. And so here I am, like, now I'm justifying my behavior, right? People are going to listen to, oh, that's all justification. Blah, blah, blah. The fact is that it set me, my mindset sort of changed because I had already, I already made an arrest many, many, many months ago in, the, in my first precinct. And the guy offered me $1,500 to let him go. And, I, and I, of course, I arrested him for, he was a DWE, which I never do DWEs because I'm drunk half the time myself. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it was one of those things where I had to. The guy was on sleeping on the curb, on the sidewalk with the car in, in drive. Okay. So, you know, and then he got mad at me f- for waking him up. It's just <laughs> fucking insane. I, I woke the guy up. He's mad. I'm like, what are you mad at? I mean, I'm, I thought you were dead. He was sitting there with his head on the steering wheel. So I didn't lock him up for bribery. All I did was give him this DWI. He paid a $500 fine. I should have took the 15 large and everybody would have been happy. But anyway, so I, I've been down this road. I understand that things happen and there's these there's occasional situations where cops do things that they shouldn't be doing. And and here I am pissed off being treated like I'm the criminal for making a car stop. Fast forward, this car stop comes along and the kids got nothing. And we call it, and if you watch it, I called it the Puerto Rican mystery. Because back then, it was a Puerto Rican mystery. They generally didn't have any necessary papers because they came from Puerto Rico. Right. And they weren't considered immigrants. They're considered, obviously, American citizens. But they generally didn't have paperwork because in Puerto Rico, they didn't need it. They all knew each yeah. other. It was like, it was all good. So they would drive around local guys that came from Puerto Rico that would, off the borders from Puerto Rico, not necessarily... New York Puerto Ricans that were were here for you know yeah. raised born and raised, and, and so they would they would present themselves as well, everything's fine, right? I'm like, yeah, I guess so, you know. <laughs> but you know, but but this is all illegal, you know. So you know, they had like two three thousand dollars worth of tickets, a car that had to be towed. I said, you know what? And he had a knot thicker than I had in a, 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 a month or two's paychecks in his in his, right. in his fanny pack. They had the fanny packs back mm-hmm. then. I still have one. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> I have it, several. It explains a lot. I keep buying them. It explains a lot. Yeah, but is yours yeah. rainbow colored? Um, no, but it is leather and <laughs> does have some buckle, buckles. Studs. Studs. <laughs> Stuckle. That's... I think they sell Thanks for the help. They, they, you know that one. <laughs> well, they I got one. Yeah. They sell them outside on the sidewalk yeah. at a Blue Oyster Bar. Yeah. yeah. Da, 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 the Blue Oyster Bar. Yeah. Okay. I think I was at the. No, anyway. So. So, uh, so yeah. you have the, the Puerto Rican mystery card. Right. And, 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 and he's got a lot of cash on him, and I'm broke. And I'm like, you know what? This is what it's about, I see. Like, in my mind, it flashed, it flashed that this is where it's at. This, this young man, 18. He's he's no threat to me legally. Was he going to call the police? I am the fucking police, <laughs> right. you know. And, and and he's got cash, and he he's going to lose everything right now, or I could put a few bucks in my pocket and, and call it a day. And I needed money that day. I was broke. I, I I simply justified that I'd rather take some cash and let him go and have his life not be as bad as it could be right now. I mean, I had to impound his Corvette. You know, I had to, right. I had to do all this. But you know, I could use some cash right now, and I dipped. And I and I and I told him, you know, I like lobster uh, uh, for lunch. <laughs> I don't know, I'm going to explain this. Right. I don't. I, I don't. I didn't want to put a number on the guy's head, but but lob, and lobster is expensive. So so I want a lobster lunch. So I put a couple hundred bucks in the backseat of my car and he left. And, of course, I drove around for like three hours wondering if the internal affairs was going to pull me over any minute. And after about an hour or two or three hours, they didn't. I was like, wow, I can't believe I just got away with putting cash in my pocket. And my partner was, you know, all good with it. Did it bother you later on in that night? Later no, on I slept night? fine. I was, good. I was good. I can't lie. I was good afterwards. You, you were know? good afterwards. Once I, came, once I came to terms that I wasn't getting picked up on the way into the precinct, like, hey, we need to speak to you type thing, I, I, I slept well. And so that was your... First step in yeah. your your introduction to it. Yeah, yeah, and then it became sort of like a small obsession, but not immediately. But it became a thought process. Did you actively go out and try to score? Um, not not initially. Not initially, not initially but initially. in the but after a while, when rather I came, than opportunity. R- r- after a while, when I became, when I came across these things, I said, well, "What the fuck? I'm going to voucher the money for who? Right. For who? The city? 
Fuck the city. At that point, we were at odds, by the way. You know, I mean, people don't understand the whole ramifications of being at odds with your own department, your own employer. You know, they were promoting people based on gender, racial. Race, ex- yeah, yeah. yeah they, they divided the police. What's they doing today? In right. way. Yes. They divided the police departments back then based on race. And, and, and gender, and it was and it was sad because my best friends were black and Hispanic guys, and they're like they're they're sorry. They're like they're looking at us with sorry. We went to the same academy. We got the same books at home. They're sorry. So the anger just keeps building and, yes. and building, right? And the building. resentment keeps and then, building. And then because I've been I've been here before, not where I've taken anything, but I've been like, fuck them, right. you know, fuck yeah. them, right? Exactly, right, right. You know, it, it could be something that's a sick day. You well, you they're lo- short. You, well, fuck them. Right. You log that money that's going into evidence or wherever, you don't know where that money's going. The guy no, I have no did, clue. The guy who's running evidence may be pocketing that fucking money. I, I have no clue where it's going. Yeah. All I know is yeah. I handed it in with some paperwork, I'm getting a few hours overtime, and then say goodnight. You know? Now, does it build as a crescendo type of thing where, okay, I scored a couple hundred here, yeah. which, like, listen, in the 80s, a couple hundred it's a, it's a, for, well, for a I, brand I, new I was, cop, I was, I was clearing, uh, out of the academy, I was clearing about 210 a week. And then, and, <laughs> oh, my God. I don't even know if that much, but I think maybe 205. And then when I be, was a full-fledged police officer, I was clearing 310 a week, like that, you know? Right. And um, so, but it was bi-weekly checks, so you, like $620, you, you cleared every two weeks. Trying to live in New York. Yeah. Because you had to, yeah, yeah, there's residency requirements. gas, uh, insurance. On $1,200 a month. Yeah, $1,200 a month, yeah. So that's how difficult it was at first. And um, so you, find, you can find many reasons, reasons to justify that that drug dealer's money is really not his. You know, it looks like it has my name on it, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean... Uh, looks like it's got my car payment yeah, all Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, you know, and then it's not right. It's wrong. But, you know, what... Three guys sitting together. We can all sort of justify it in our head, even though it's wrong. Because he, does he deserve that money? He just fucking sold crack cocaine to some. Well, that's that's the whole reason, from what I understand, that they started raising, especially in New Jersey, started raising police salaries to to take away that allure of that guy you pull over that mystery car, but he's got a big fat roll in his pocket. Right. Well, if, if that's the case, then then good. But you know, I want to see the results of that of that you know incremental pay increase. You know, and maybe they did, and they didn't discuss it with me. But, but... <laughs> I, I honestly, honestly, I don't think it started to really rear its head until the mid two thousand. So you, it was way before your time. Yeah, way after my time. Way after, way, yeah, way yeah. after your time. Right, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. So way after your time, they started increasing these pays because things like this were happening. And I'm, you're not the only one who did this. No. But oh. you're probably you would think so. <laughs> you would think so, for Christ's sake. You are not the only one who did this. No, but he's like the poster boy of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, the, the the dot. They throw the dot at me. <laughs> the the Michael Dowd. Yeah. So there. So I embraced it. <laughs> Sorry. As a as a brand new officer, right? And this wasn't all that long ago. Mm-hmm. Christmas time came around. I I'm literally out on the road for less than two weeks. Mm. Christmas time comes around and the tow company in our town, mm. there's an envelope in my mailbox. Right. Open up the envelopes and it's $40 cash. Mm-hmm. What the fuck is this? I think it's an integrity test. Sure. I think it's an integrity test. <laughs> no one told you. I go to my captain. I said, Cap, I, this, and I know from the towing company, he's like, oh yeah, we all get one. You know, apparently as rank goes up, you get, get more. more. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I, I, I honestly didn't feel comfortable taking that. Right. I said, I don't feel comfortable taking this. So you know what the captain did? Took it. Took, took my it. fucking money. Yeah, yeah. That's right. It was his. It was okay, his. Okay, kid. Yeah. Give me a, no I'll problem. Yeah. I got it for you. I'll yeah. return it for you. That's exactly <laughs> what he did. Yeah. And I'm standing there, and I never took that because it's, it's to this day it wasn't right. right. It wasn't right. right. We're getting paid far more than what you started out. Right. And so I was like, okay, it is what it is. So then it builds for you, especially. Right couple hundred here next thing you know your next big score your yeah next it became score. opportunity scores then and, and and for me it was more like and i i'm not gonna vouch for this fucking money you know right. oh the guy's not here now he ran okay so i got drugs <laughs> and money what do i do you know maybe i'll vouch for the drugs and keep the money i mean what do i do Welcome to the precinct. Okay, I have you know six million dollars worth of cocaine. Would you like it? <laughs> ah, what are you kidding me? The guy's walking around hundred miles an hour. 
<laughs> so then it, 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 it transitioned from not just cash to drugs? It, eventually, at some point. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. So when did you hit- I, When I took Noriega's cocaine, that was a kill. That was, I fucking- like, You took I, Noriega's I, I cocaine? Yeah, I didn't know it was his. But I found that. <laughs> I actually was in the same jail as Noriega just a, three weeks before I got there. He, he moved out. I said, did he tell you, say, where's my coke? Yeah, what's my shit? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Hey, jerk off, you're the reason yeah, I'm yeah, here. Yeah. No, yeah, actually, I don't think I was, but hey, you know, if they want to give me credit for that too. <laughs> at your height of your indiscretions, how much money were you pulling in? Six eight thousand a week myself, right? You know. And then sp- split amongst no. whoever was no 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 same. My, so so it was eight thousand payoff, but four thousand each, and then I would make four or five thousand a week on my on my own sometimes, right? Sometimes. And is there ever a point in your mind where you say this is this is this is not right? You gotta I gotta stop. Yeah, every day, every day. Yeah. So every day you had to look in the mirror and do that oh, battle. It was killing me. Really? Yeah. The stress of that. Driving to work, I would pull over. Or, or, or I, sh- I shouldn't. That's a lie. I wouldn't pull over. I'd think I'd have to pull over. So then I would be going semi semi conscious. My whole body would go numb from one side to the you know, like one side of my body would go numb, and I'd be like, I, so and so instead of riding at a hundred in the left lane, I would ride a hundred in the right lane because if I if I crashed, then it wouldn't take out anybody you know along the highway. I'd go off the highway. That was my plan. Well, the anxiety has got to be something be monumental. Killer. You're splitting. Yeah, so I, I actually pulled over an ambulance during my shift one day. <laughs> my, my, my mom was like, what are you doing? I got to talk. I got to pull an ambulance. I got to talk. <laughs> talk to someone. Yeah, I got to talk to someone in the ambulance. I'm not, not right. I couldn't breathe. I was fucking passing out. And I was like, my head's bumping up and down. And <laughs> the girl in the ambulance goes to me. Stop cutting the, stop burning the candle on both ends. That's what she would say to me. <laughs> she took, she had the EKG hooked up on me. I'm sitting in the ambulance bed. There's nothing wrong with your fucking heart. She tells me, I go, you sure? What was your, what right. was your chief fear at that time? When, when you were in the height of your, of you taking things from everybody yeah. in drug business, yeah. what was the, what was the, the, the biggest fear you had? Um, cause you've been described as crazy. Death. I had, my fear was dying. Not being arrested. No. Not being a, that's no. crazy. Yeah, I'm a cop, man. You I would rather arrested. die. I never thought of being. Arrested. I would rather. I would rather <laughs> die than be arrested. Yeah, yeah. but I never yeah. thought of being arrested. Like I always thought. So, so people don't know this part of my story. I, I, I actually communicated with Internal Affairs very early on in my story, and uh, and, they, and and they came to my house. And but uh, long story short, I don't want to get into that part of the thing because it, it actually it's an amazing part of the story. But the long story short is, uh, when they left my home, I was convinced that they didn't care. Except that they didn't want you to be a police officer if you were doing that kind of thing. They didn't care. Like, they weren't going to arrest you. That's what they left me thinking. And people don't know that really too well. Like, they left. So, a guy was selling crack, cop was selling crack cocaine in my neighborhood. Okay. So, I'm like, this guy's a New York City cop. He can't sell crack cocaine in my neighborhood. That's not just not going to work for me. You know, <laughs> I'm sorry. And when they came to my house to discuss it with me, I was left with the feeling that they didn't give a fuck about what he was doing. They just wanted to make sure, because he was out, uh, out on suspension. They wanted to make sure that he wasn't coming back to the police department, and they wanted to have him dismissed. I'm like, is that the answer to, to bad behavior? Is the New York City Police Department, police officers, with, with the ability to arrest police officers, are just looking to have them dismissed. That's crazy. And that's what they left me with. That's crazy. Now, I realize, uh, like, in perspective, a New York City police officer is a, is, a, is a police sanctioned, a state police officer, right? Every police officer is a police officer throughout the state, right? As long as they have police powers throughout the state. So when I'm telling these cops that this cop is selling cocaine on Long Island, they're not interested in making an arrest for this. It's a felony. And not only is it a felony, it's, it's, it's selling crack cocaine felony. I mean, come on. This is like serious. Try to shake them down it's for some money. Se- it's pretty serious, isn't it? And it's a lot of paperwork. It, and- yeah, yeah. It wasn't their concern to arrest him for that. It was their concern to keep him, keep him from getting his job fully reinstated. He was out on suspension. He was out challenging his suspension. And uh, this story gets really, really off into the woods, so I'm going to leave it there. But like that was in, in, like, in, embedded in my mind. So all I thought about. It, when I began to really get into my activity of corruption, let's call it, or my, uh, was, was I'm probably going to lose my job one day. And I'm like, I'm okay with that. Because you're making a lot of money. I'm making a lot of fucking money. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Your, your anxiety was your conscience. Oh, he was killing me. It was kill- So you're making a lot of money and all the worst thing in your mind that could I didn't like was- what I was doing, but I, w- but, I, but I liked the rewards. It's the funniest thing because that behavior becomes addictive. It's a dangerous behavior. It becomes 
really, really addictive. And one of the things that I've learned that addicts are really good at is they're really good at justifying their existence, uh, justifying their actions. 100%. And That's why they're addicts. Yeah. They're, they're, they're <laughs> Otherwise, like, they wouldn't last very long. <laughs> like, I'm just going to do a little, or I'm doing this all for my family. Right. And I'm sure at that time, were you married? Did you have a family? I had everything. Yeah. You you had a family. Did you ever think about what it could do to them if you lost your job? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I did. And it was troublesome. But I always thought that I'd have some kind of... Like, I was the kid that saw the light at the end of the tunnel. I didn't see darkness in the, at the end of the tunnel. So well, I always figured whatever I did, I'd be able to overcome... Um, but you were able to over- overcome whatever damages from losing your job you whatever, find another job whatever it was gonna be it wasn't even like so so that see this is that's an area that we should get into but just for me personally i i i thought okay uh, that so when 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 the times got heavy and dangerous for me i already had three four homes I, I i was financially secured so if i lost my job i had three or four rental incomes i would go into real estate i would do something so I already had that planned in my head that I wouldn't leave my family destitute. My med- one of my main concerns during this whole process was medical coverage and stuff like that for children and, and for my wife. For myself, not really, right? I still don't care right today, but, you know, I, we need it. And we need it more than ever, right? And I still don't care. Th- those were my concerns for, the, for, their, for their life to be okay. Because right. you, you don't want to push any suffering onto others. I didn't want- Especially any, your children. I didn't want anyone to hurt, you right. know? It's sort of, sort of who I am inside, even though I've done bad things and can, can, I can justify them away i still love people and mm-hmm. i and, and i i don't want to see people i'd rather hurt than have them hurt if right. that if that makes sense it yeah. makes 100 yeah. i rather see i rather be the one carrying the burden than have others which is for, part of why i think that like my dad was sort of instilled that upon me without intending to you know just by the way he he lived his life isn't that the core mentality of a civil service worker you, you would think you would think so yeah i mean i, I you know sometimes you become um self-centered because oftentimes for me, and this is a different twist on certain things, is we forget why we're there. So I become a civil servant because I think that, one, it'll be a secure life. Two, I'll be able to do something positive. And every person I meet, I can, I can interact with in a, in a way that, that would be helpful. I'm not looking to beat people up. I'm not looking to target somebody. I'm looking to do my job and make want myself go home safely. And two, at the end of the day, try to be of, like, of a help of, with somebody. Like someone in a bad situation, I want to be helpful. But what, what happens is we get so tarnished along the way about helping people that it, and when it falls back on us. We get bit by our own... Our own generosity, our own goodness of heart fucking bites us every time. No good deed goes unpunished. And I fucking tell you, every time I've done something good for somebody, and every time is an exaggeration, it's not, it's not, it's not received the way we think it should be. It's on a just, smaller scale, not. on a smaller scale, to your point, anytime I pulled somebody over and they're doing 50 and a 25, and I write them a seatbelt ticket right. as a break. Right. Yep. They'll fucking fight the seatbelt ticket. Yeah, yeah. right. They're, like, they'll I, fight the seatbelt yeah, ticket, yeah. make me go to court. And I didn't lose it, but they'll make me go to fucking court. Come on, man. Cause yeah, yeah, I'm trying to do something nice yeah, for I'm, you. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm trying to make your life a little bit better and, and I give you a lesson. At right. the same time, I have every fucking time I've done something. I mean, the friend with the, with the money. I loaned him this fucking money. The guy's got oh, three pensions. He can't fucking pay me back or call me. He loses my number. I, I dial it's on green instead of blue. That means you fucking blocked my number, dude. I mean, you know, I got to go to your house because I will. Because right. I fucking will, you know, I will. I'm, just, I'm not going I will go to your house. But let's let's go stop before that. So my point is, people they fucking people suck because guys like me, and I'm not taking this as an guys like me, not necessarily me. They put themselves out there because like my phone like that was spam that one, <laughs> but my phone doesn't stop ringing with cops that need help. Mm. And and I, I'm talking. Right, it doesn't mean like it used to because my name, <laughs> the mic out, is not always out there uh, the way it was when it, the documentary first came out. But if if it didn't ring five times a week back then, of cops in the in need, uh, cops wanted some advice. I mean, there's the Philadelphia Six. I know you guys don't. Yes, I do know the Philadelphia Six. Okay, I've been on the phone with them. I've been on the phone with New York City cops that are trying. I've been to Westchester, uh, people in Canada, uh, Australia, uh, London, California. Texas, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, 
uh, Nebraska. I've been on phone with cops from every place, and and you guys, I'm sure, with your service, have had some type of effect like that we, too. We get we get some reach out where people contact us from all over the country. Uh, recently, one of uh, one of our fellow officers in New Jersey was just involved in a in a shooting, and uh, we, Mike was able to speak with them on the phone. So, but that's our penance. Because when we went into, when we had our shootings, just like you did what you did while you were a cop, you fall. Right. Okay. So you fall and you go away to prison and you have time to think Mm -hmm. and you have time to reorganize whatever you did. It would be a real sin for Mike, Felice and I, and you, if you didn't take that fall Use it, repurpose it, and throw it back out into the world because that fall and the experiences that you went through, it's going to help somebody else. But before we get into that, how long did all this stuff go in, go on for? This craziness, this craziness as, a, as a police officer. It was a, it was a good five, six, seven years. Five, know? six, seven years yeah. of running and gunning, fearing for your life, yeah. anxiety out the Everything, ears. Yeah, rehab three times, you know, farm, farm three times, you know, just. This is going to sound like a very odd question. When you went down and you got caught and you knew you were going away, right. was it anxiety or was it relief? Relief. It was relief. How crazy is that? You're going away, and I know you were sentenced to 16 years in Four, prison. I was sentenced to 14, 14 years. Facing life. But for, yes. let's go, for racketeering, for yeah. uh, drugs, distribution, distribution uh, all sorts yeah. of stuff. And it's a relief. Well, so, so here's the relief. The relief was when I was handcuffed and put in the patrol car. Mm. That's when I was like... It's over. It's over. Yeah. Did you ever hear that story? I can stop chasing myself now. It's <laughs> crazy. You ever hear that story of who, how do you find somebody that's guilty versus somebody that's not guilty in prison? Put three guys in three separate cells, and the one who's asleep is the one that's guilty because he's, no, he's <laughs> you know, caught. Give, yeah, he's, he's done. Caught. He's, he's done. He's done. The other guys are up pacing the room <laughs> yeah, wondering yeah, what they're going to do. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's an interesting thing. You go away to prison a little bit lighter than when you were on the street. Now, how did your family take that? Well, it was tough. It was tough on them. You know, you know, when you're the front page of the Daily News, Newsday Post, New York Times for a year, pretty much off and on, it's tough on your family. You know, I mean, did so, you go to trial or did you take a plea? Um, so I, 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 I took, ended up taking a plea, but I, I, I fought it. I fought and fought and fought and for a, a year and a half. Right. So the, then I ended up in the Marlin Commission hearings and so on and so forth. So that was part of my plea agreement, not with the Marlin, not with the. The, the, not with the attorney's office, not with the Southern District of New York, but with the Marlin Commission that they would speak before my judge at my sentencing. So The Marlin Commission, your your testimony in the Marlin Commission, I read it. It's fantastic work. <laughs> like I don't know whether That's that was scripted or not. That's what I hear. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't remember most of it until I see it on film. But I was a pretty handsome guy back then. <laughs> what the fuck happened? What the fuck? I get calls from all around the world. Wow, you were so handsome. What, what, what do you mean? What am I now? <laughs> yeah, fuck you. <laughs> if you don't mind me asking, how old were your kids when this was going on? So uh, my youngest was 11 months when I got arrested. So it was going on before he was born. And my oldest was... I think five and a half or five and a half when I got arrested. So they're primarily too young to remember or to, to well, know what was going on. Well, to know what was going on, but the older one suffered greatly, yeah. and the and the younger one has suffered, you know, personally. You know, the older one suffered great public disgrace at the time. He was kicked out of everything. Oh, that's oh, that's oh, that's my dad's. But no, see, that's yeah. so wrong it, it, because it was every horrible. cop on yeah. the street. Yeah. Is one traffic stop away from, away from doing what? Yeah, from one, tra- one traffic stop away from getting arrested. Absolutely, just make a bad decision, a lapse in this judgment. This is what we got to go with this conversation. Yeah. That and that's why I think we're here, right? Because I want I wanted to be known that I did what I did is not what, it, what most cops do wrong. Okay, what most cops do wrong is they put the uniform on and then they risk <laughs> their lives. Okay, and then. So, I, you know, we're making light of that, but the reality is the minute they walk out that station house, they're subject to arrest, and they don't fucking get it. And here's what pisses me off. is not because... Of the, so I was treated harshly, and rightfully so, right? But the thing is this, we're human. And, and, and cops got to understand that the minute they become a police officer is the minute, they, the minute they begin to try to prevent themselves from being jammed up. From the minute yep. they put that uniform on, someone's looking to jam you up. Don't ask me why. It should be they should be looking to embrace you by your coffee, you know. But that's the that's the part of the humanity. And the, the beauty about you, Mike, is what I really like about you is you own it. You're not trying to hide. You're not trying to justify it anymore. Those days are over. Right. This this is what I did. I don't live like that. So yeah. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't live like that because right. I can't live that. 
you know, even from the first day we met him, we met at the Blue Suicide. Right. The, the uh, Blue the Magazine's Blue Magazine. event. Right, right. Which is amazing that you were there because a normal person in your situation might be looked at harshly by other cops because it was all cops. Oh, yeah. It was all cops. Oh, yeah. And then, it's, it's on my mind. Yeah. It's on my mind. But, you know, I figured- he, he was I, just open and honest the first day we met him. He's like, oh- Oh, yeah. Know. I was the dirtiest cop in New yeah, York. Was, yeah, 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 I'm yeah. Mike Down. That's, you know, I'm Mike yeah. Down. I'm dirtiest cop in New York. Did you ever see the 7-5? I'm, yeah. I'm the Mike Down. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what it is? People don't know who the fuck I am. So what, what, I'm retired with a pension from. No, I can't. I got you start. It's a difficult start off, you know. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I got it. Yeah. That's, oh, that's... where'd you retire out of? Oh, I retired out of the, the, the bureau. What bureau? <laughs> the Federal Bureau of Prisons. I mean, I don't know what the fuck to tell you. The bureau of Internal Affairs. <laughs> yeah. yeah <it'd> be... <laughs> While you were in prison, you did some peer-to-peer work, correct? Yes. Like there has to be a moment when I'm assuming while it's when you're in prison right. that you said. It's time for me to lift myself back up. Okay. So, yeah. So, there, so there's many moments that come in our lives, right? Especially in recovery, when you're in, uh, mm-hmm. you, you, you see, um, this may be the moment. This, the, the, it's something, something clicks. There's always something clicks. So, I sat there in prison. Moment of clarity, I yeah, think. Yeah, moment of clarity. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I, I, am, I was in prison. I was doing interviews with some fucking asshole and uh, reporter guy. Sorry, and, I didn't mean to call you while you were in prison. Yeah, yeah. So, no, it wasn't you. It, it, was something, it, was, it was actually a very nice person, but it, it ended up in the New Yorker magazine didn't run it it was it was uh, i it was it, it was two three days we interviewed in, in the visiting room which is always a scene in prison because everybody wants to know what the fuck's going on we do this interview and during that interview process he says to me your partner is uh, is not happy about and he's living a life of some kind of uh, discontent because of what he did to me you'll i i, I spoke with kenny and i want you to know that he's He's, I don't want to say the word distraught, but he's empathetic, sympathetic, jerkathetic, whatever. He, he feels bad. Uh, he had to go to his priest. But so I, I, the, Kenny has, has his own suffer, his own suffering, right? So, which, which turns into, by the way, his wife just passed uh, from a brain aneurysm. Kenny? Kenny Urell, the guy that uh, put the wire on yeah. the, oh, the cop. Oh, the hero, he, did, he did. The hero, the hero, the hero cop. The hero cop, yeah. There's always, there's <laughs> see, always a I don't know. People, people see him, though, as the hero cop, you know, because they don't really know everything. They don't know he's retired with a three-quarters disability pension when he decides to get into selling cocaine and calls me up. Can you get me some? Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I can get anything. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm the magic man. <laughs> yeah, I'm willing to take the risk to get my fr- my my retired three quarters disability pension partner who's sitting there for two years now getting bored because his piece because he's because he's a financial guy he sees his he sees his pensions like not quite adding up to what he was hoping it would be so he began to sell cocaine to his friends at the bowling alley. That's okay? a lo- that's a logical step. Well, it makes it sense either yeah. get a job or sell cocaine. Yeah. So and he knew you know and his cousins were stealing cocaine in the seventy third precinct. So so, but they ran out. So now they needed me to step in, I guess. I didn't know all this because I wasn't, I wasn't discussing it with them. So long story short, he calls me up and now I go to his house and there he is. His house is surrounded already. He doesn't even know it. He's a fucking cop. Doesn't know that there's cops all around his house and his phone's being monitored. I go, Jesus Christ. He goes, well, I go, your fucking house is hot as fuck. I mean, for Christ's sakes, what are you doing? He goes, ah, they've been following you. Which is right. They've been following you for years. I guess he's right. So, so that's how I approached it. I'm used to this. Am I? I mean, I mean they, they were all over. So long story short with him, he's out, retired, three quarters of a pension, and he's the good cop. Because he saved somebody's life. The fucking board wasn't going to, nothing was supposed to happen to, I swear. <laughs> There's this kidnapping plot in the yeah, movie. That's yeah. not, it wasn't even supposed to happen. He kept moving the ball. Because he's on the wire with the feds. He keeps moving the ball. We got to go shake the place down and leave. Because I was going to leave the country. Because I don't want to do 25 to life in the state of New York. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, mean, I just, you know, I'm going to be the, the kid on the run today in fucking the, the woods somewhere. Oh, I don't in know. Florida, yeah, but yeah. I wasn't going to do 25 to life in a New York state prison. You know, I, I don't want to be someone's bitch or die. So I figured, let me run. Right? Made sense. And uh, <laughs> to me, it did. <laughs> and, and so, so sure enough, uh, this whole plot got, it got laid out. You know, all the, the doors kept opening to a, this big, deep plot. I'm like, okay, well. Where am I going to go anyway? <laughs> well, I, mean, I got no job. No one will hire me. I mean, I might as well rob drug dealers. Makes sense, right? I mean, that's that's what goes through your brain. You're so you're you're the rat in the corner. You're, you you got to eat your way out. So, and, and and I went for jobs. The feds went to the people's jobs and, and said you can't hire them. 
Like, this is what they did. Yeah. They fucking went to the people that were hiring me and said, you can't hire him or we're going to open your books. We're gonna... I mean, this is the shit they do to people. It fucking kills me. I get so upset. <laughs> I would have had a normal life almost. Oh, they would have been pinched, but <laughs> beside my pinch. I mean, but I, I, mean, I, I was going to go work for a limousine company. This is if after peace. after I got jammed up. After you get jammed I'm out up. on jam. I'm out on the jam. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going okay. I'm gonna just. I'm gonna be a normal human being and not chase the race. So I, I go to this company for open newspaper. I I follow up on the ad and I go and I, and I and I I can't. I forgot this part of the story. It's incredible. So I go to this company. The guy and I'm on the front page of the Daily News that day. <laughs> and I walk in the fucking office to do interview and there's my picture on the front page. And the guy says, "Turn the paper over real quick." The guy he's he, he he's reading the fucking paper. So that, that's my twin brother don't worry about it I walk in the guy looks at me he looks at the newspaper he goes is this you I go yeah <laughs> he goes you're hired <laughs> really? what he goes you're fucking hired I went excuse me you just interviewed like the line because back then there was no there was no work <laughs> the line was 60 people long he goes you're hired you need the job wow I said just like that he goes did you ever drive a limo I said in the Whitestone Pound where we impounded cars and I banged a few chicks in the back so I know how to run I know how to I know how limos I work. know how to work a limo <laughs> that's the fucking truth this, he, guy, this guy's a player yeah, like, he goes okay you're hired uh, and I said uh, he says and, and if you can't drive one I'll teach you nice so guy. I look at the guy he goes I said why he goes I'm a retired cop he uh, says I get okay. it he says I get it Maybe he was taking a little bit on this. Yeah, uh, you got uh, listen. Uh, uh, God bless. But, how, do you, how do you buy a limo company yeah, on a yeah, cop yeah, salary? Yeah, he yeah, did good. So anyway, a <laughs> couple this, bags, bags of money fell out of a car. I don't know. Yeah. So when, when getting back to this <laughs> moment of clarity that you had when you're yes. sitting down doing this interview. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I know we've taken a roundabout way <laughs> see, of getting See there. how it happens? This is what happens with cop stories. I can go on and on. I forgot about it. So like I said, my life after the police department was at least, if not more, intense and interesting. I mean. No prison shower scenes. No, no. no that was the, the least of the concern with prison. <laughs> Except when Bubba tried. <laughs> you know, you're the wrong ball. He said, you're bold, man. I said, well, I'm in the wrong ball. Oh, well, here we go. Fucking nine and a half years in prison, I got Bubba telling me I'm in the wrong ball. <laughs> so I look at him with my fucking pee-pee in my hand. I go, now what? He goes, take it easy, man. <laughs> said, well, what do you mean? I'm bold. Like, like he was threatening me. Yeah. No, no. He goes, I said, what do you mean wrong ball? He goes, no, you're bold. You don't give a fuck. I go, and? <laughs> <laughs> He's six, seven. You know? <laughs> 325, he just finished 800 pounds on the bench. And I'm like, yeah, and? <laughs> he goes, I'm just letting you know. Everybody know who you is. And I said, yeah, no shit. Everywhere I go, they know who I am. He goes, all right, I'm just letting you know. Turns around and leaves. I'm like, you couldn't even see the sun behind this fucking guy. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> Welcome to McKeon, the dream. McKean the dream, they called it. Yeah, so, yeah, anyway. A lot of times, balls beat brains, though. Yeah, right. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So the clarity. The clarity. I'd like to know this. this so I'm in the interview, moment. and the guy says to me, uh, "Kenny's concerned. You know, sad. It's sad. Uh, I feel bad for him. Tell him kissing bricks and fucking jerking off all day. But yeah. Uh, so uh, he said, but you know. So what it was, it, it struck me like I gotta let go. I gotta let go. He's a human. I'm a human. It is what it is. I, I did what I did. You know, he's not guilty of what I did. He's just. Helped the feds fucking bang me out. But, you know, the reality is I'm responsible for what I did. And I was doing a lot of, um, at that point, I was involved in um, the, the, the drug rehabilitation program in prison. And so you start to see things differently. You recognize your own characteristic defects. I have one, I heard. But anyway, uh, <laughs> some people have 120. I had one. And it's just it's a big one. And so I needed to work on myself. And in order for me to be able to move forward, I had to let go of the past. Does that make sense? I just watched an interview the other day. They said it's like playing tug of war with your past. Right. And you're pulling and you're pulling and you're pulling and you're not making any ground. Right. Because your past is, is big and it's pulling you. And then what's the easiest way to beat an opponent in a tug of war? Let go of the rope. Let go of the rope. <laughs> yeah. And they all fall on their ass. Yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they're gone. Well, that's what it's like for me sometimes now. Like I let go. I, yeah. I'll, yeah, that's him. Like you, uh, disarming. Yeah, I'm the fucking rug. Because everybody wants to hate the bad cop, right? right? Oh, you're a bad motherfucker. But when you say, hey, I'm Mike now the dirtiest cop you ever met in your life. Oh, how you doing, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, man. now what? What are you going to do? Throw more shit on me? Go ahead. I mean, you know, so, you know, and then I'll get blamed for someone else's death. You know, these are the things that bother the fuck out of me. You know, it, it's yeah. funny. Like I was saying, when we first met you, I think that's like the way he was introduced to me. Yeah, it was. Know, it, like, was. it was. It was absolutely. 
you know. But the great thing is, but it was, and it, I, you're right, it was disarming. I didn't be in prior law enforcement. I didn't hold a grudge against that. I was like, you know, this guy owns it. Yeah, you know, I knew the story. I didn't know the whole story. The worst you know? thing would be if I if I saw you from a distance and said, that's that fucking dirty. Yeah, that, that, and I don't like that. And, and you don't say anything right. to address the 900 pound gorilla in the room. Right. Well, that's what you got to do, uh, and you exactly. do you do a great job of it. Right. So you let go of that past. Right. You have a such a powerful story, and my hope with you coming in here today is that one cop who is that one step from, away from making a bad decision hears your story and says, "You know what? I, I, don't take this the wrong way. I don't want to be end up like Mike Dow." Right. It happens. It happens. It happened to me last week. I told you. Yep. So when I say it happened to me, synopsis, a brief synopsis is that the cop calls me up and says, I saw your movie in 2014 or 15. He says, I was running internal affairs at such and such a location. And I was involved in this criminal conduct that was talking, that was being okayed by the entire department. He said, and I saw your movie. He said, and I don't want to be him. So he left the department, retired with his pension. Well, there's a portion of you that I do want to be like. <laughs> Which is owning the the dirt from their past. I yeah. think we all should want to strive to be that. I don't, I'm not sure if I want to own. I, I want to be like you, your you, prison, yeah. Mike. Down <laughs> that, that I'll, I'll stay away from. We'll work on it. Yeah, <laughs> you want to avoid that part. Don't. So that's why we're here. Correct. So we're here to help guys avoid two things: killing themselves and going to prison. How's that? Is that that's fair? Perfect. Is that yeah. fair? That's perfect. Because I've already done one of those two, and the other one is not an option for me. So so he ends up retiring. Uh, but he saw it and it was unfolding and he ends up getting arrested anyway as he's out on retirement and the story is another story so it's his own story and maybe he'll even be in here one day to speak but one of them killed himself one of the guys killed themselves who wasn't even in trouble but he felt the pressure of it and the public disgrace that may have come from it and you, you guys may have heard the story it wasn't long ago I would say he probably killed himself less than two years ago he was sitting in a marina on Long Island and put the gun to his head he was, he was deputy inspector yeah. who's quite a high rank in New York City that's pretty fucking special to get to that rank and he killed himself sitting in a car out in Long Island somewhere yeah I do I do remember that story now that you bring yeah. up deputy inspector yeah yeah he killed himself yeah so yeah so I so here we are talking about suicide and for me personally so I've come to understand suicide because I actually worked on the suicide program in prison. I, I saved two guys that tried to kill themselves. And one of the things that happened on the way down, the guy that was hanging himself in prison, that we saved his life in front of myself. Can you imagine this? I'm in the suicide prevention program. I'm in the uh, drug awareness program. I'm in the whole fucking thing. And a guy hangs himself in front of myself. <laughs> like, you can't even, did he do it on purpose? I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> he throws himself over the rail, puts the the buffer cord around wow. the buffer cord around his neck, and he's in front of my cell. And I think prison never for anyone who hasn't been there yet and doesn't want to go. It's very racially divided prison. Even though we have respect for one another and the race situation, if there's going to be a fight, if a, if a white guy's getting a fight with a Hispanic guy, the white guy's got to jump in and break it up at least. If a black guy and a white guy or a black guy and a Spanish guy, they, they racially you have to do something. Otherwise, you can't save face. You can't be, you're not going to be well. You let him, you let him take this beating. Anyway, so I see this guy. He's about 103 pounds, six foot two. He's hanging in front of my cell. He's flailing around. And I, and I see these guys, Spanish guys picking him. They got him. They, I think they're dragging him. They're pulling him. I think they're trying to fucking, like they're, like they're tossing him around. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? But I didn't know. So I opened the door and there he is, the rope around his neck. He's hanging in front of my cell. They're trying to lift him up to take the weight off his neck so he doesn't, anyway. P.S. They undo the rope. We put him down on the ground. CPR, whatever. Long story short, he survives. So the next day, I'm suicide watch prevention program. So I'm sitting there, you know, watching this guy laying on, he's laying on cement. By the way, you're going to be naked and on cement in prison if you. If you, <laughs> you go to the suicide room, you're naked. Don't if you like cement and you like being naked on cement, that's where you're going. They give you a paper cloth towel to cover yourself with, and you freeze your dick off. And believe me, that's what happens in the suicide cells. So that's what he's doing. He's laying on, on the cement in the suicide cell because they bring you down to the lowest form of life, so that you could say, "Oh my God, I don't like this." So the guy's sitting there in the suicide cell, and he comes to the gate and talks to me, and he goes, "I said, I don't." He doesn't know who I am. He has no clue. He goes, hey, how you doing? Yeah, my name's Mike. My name's, his name is Joe. He hangs himself. And he says to me, um, I said, so what happened? He goes, I changed my mind on the way down. Wow. <laughs> well, you see that a lot with people shooting themselves. They miss. They, they, they'll move the gun because as they're pulling the trigger, they change their mind. Yeah. And there's no coming back. Right. So I know from my little limited experience that people that 
try to kill themselves or attempt to and fail and or, or succeed don't really want to. They generally want help. And this is, right. this is why we're here. And this is what I hope we can reach those people. They, they just need to be, they need to reach. I have them, you guys have them, I have them call me. Well, is that, is that where your life is going now? You need. You're, Listen, I want to be. Writing, I want to be rich and on a fucking yacht in the middle of the, of the Mediterranean. Okay. I don't so think that's your, not. I don't think it's your calling. So right? that's not happening. I don't <laughs> okay. think it's your calling. No. Your calling is to get your story out there to a help somebody potentially going down the path that you went down. And and so many others went down. Yeah, and use your yeah. experience and your own bad beat playbook, right, to help others. Right, and 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 that's what I, I'm hoping for. I. I so I love helping people. The problem is sometimes I don't have enough time, and I don't mean that to be glib or dishonest. Like I have a guy that has uh, in a wheelchair. He's got uh, I don't want to say MS. One of, he's got the, his bones and everything. He can't get out of wheelchair, and, and and I speak to him for hours at a time. You know, but sometimes my time is valuable too. We got to learn to say no, but in the right places. You know, that's part of being an addict, right? If right. You, addicts need to learn to say no, and and but, but we also need to learn. You know our place it's not our responsibility to keep you from killing yourself it's our responsibility to give you the information you need to keep you from killing yourself right. if we're confronted with it there's a lot of there's a lot of steps we need to learn in life and we can't be responsible for everything like i'm not responsible for that i hate to say this because i've been accused of it for that police officer who was killed i, I wasn't there well, you dealt with this drug dealer, and he knows this friend who knew that guy who knew that. You know, I didn't do it. I'm sorry. I, and, and it's happened to me. I've been accused of killing a cop. I was in prison for, tw for 12 years and out, and out on parole, supervised release for five, and a cop gets shot in East New York, and I got blamed for his murder. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I feel bad. Listen, the guy was, was a heroic guy. He stayed a little too long on the job. He should have retired. Oh, God forbid I should say that. Not, I, not a, let me take that back. But, you know, but the guy the guy did 20-something years, and he gets murdered. And now I'm responsible for his murder. I, I don't understand. I mean, how could I continue to be responsible for something that I have? I, I, I did my time for? You know, I, this is what bothers me, and this is what cops need to understand, is cops are so hard on, on cops that get jammed up, they turn their back on them. And when a cop, so when I came out of prison, and we discussed this briefly, uh, when I came out of prison, my biggest fear and shame was I could never be part of the police family again. So you're ruining, you, you, when you take those steps that I've took in my life to, to disparage myself, my family, and the badge, I ended up isolating myself. So you don't know who to turn to anymore. I walked out of prison and I saw a police officer in New, in New York City, a big black guy standing on the corner. I wanted to go up to him and say, hi, how you doing, officer? But I couldn't. And that goes to the point where you said to me, you were in the field. And I could have looked at you from a distance and said, oh, that's that cop, dirty cop, Mike Dowd. But instead, I went up to you and said hello. Correct. And disarmed the situation and gave you an opportunity to say, listen, pal, you do your thing. Don't talk to me. Have a nice day. What the reality of the situation is, in the law enforcement world, we need hero cops to teach those who may not have been in their situations, shootings, things like that. Right. But like everything else, you need cops that were like you to teach us how not to get in those situations. I, I, and I've been trying to do that with a lot of resistance. You know, well, I, I, that's I what think I'm saying. You, you say you're, you will, will never be in a police family again. You could be in a police family by helping out people that were going down your road. And I think you are. I think you are in many different ways. Your, your documentary, The 7-5, and I'm calling it your documentary because right. you're the right. star of that but documentary. Even though it's not mine. It's not we, your, we, you, we didn't, you didn't right. produce it, you didn't right. direct it, but right. you're the star of that. I did take control of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was that, going, it, was it was flailing. Until that I documentary is impactful. Yeah. And I think this is the new work that you're meant to do. So, Mike, we, we are coming to this end of the thing. Where can my audience find you? So, I, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, the the. The, the Mike Dow, right? Mike Dow. Is, that someone called me that I didn't even know that I was. There's, gonna, there's probably a million Mike Dows in the world, yeah. but he is yeah. the Mike yeah. Dow. The For, Mike uh, Dow. And, and, I, and we'll, it was given to me. <laughs> we'll link everything on our on our show notes for that. Yeah, sure. Also, Facebook is just Mike Dow or Michael Dow. I don't know, I think, you know, Michael, you'll find me. Right. Yeah, and don't believe everything you see on the internet. <laughs> I do have something disparaging that just can't. So I can't touch on it. I can't get into it because it's court, the court. <laughs> but there was, an interest, there was something that happened to me that I tried to save someone's life to drive home drunk. And long story short, I became almost a kidnapper, right? Because if, uh... I, keep, if, I, keep, if I keep you from leaving my home, even though you're hammered. Yeah. 
I can get in trouble. Kidnap. I can. Well, get, that's sad. So it wasn't that's sad. So it wasn't. It wasn't phrased that way, but it's sort of like that. See, I, I, if it was one of my friends, I'd punch you in the face, knock you out, I, and yeah. I'll, I'll take the assault. Yeah, and this charge. is a woman. So. I'll take. I'll <laughs> take the assault woman. charge. This is a woman who wanted to drive back to another state. It's a petty disorderly, no problem. Yeah, yeah, right, this is my seven hundred dollars. Yeah, I keep my. Yeah, pension. well, that's what I thought was going to happen, right. and that's what the cops thought were going to happen. But not with Mike Dowd. Yeah. Uh, we don't get treated. Once you've fallen from grace, you don't get treated the same way. They said, ah, don't worry. The judge will straighten us out in the morning, and you'll get a fine. And sure enough, I was offered a $50 fine until the news. Until the news picked up on it. Until the news picked yep, up on it. Absolutely. And that's exactly what happened. I, and I got destroyed. I'm still paying for it. That, that's going to be the stigma. I paid be- a lot of money for that. Millions of, in, in, in damage. In damage. Yeah. I don't, that, mean, that, I don't mean cash. In damage. That's going to be the stigma with you for the rest of your life. Yeah. Every time you... Step off the curb the wrong way. Right. Oh, that's that's Mike. Dowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, but you, that's what he does. Yeah. You're gonna. You're <laughs> that's gonna. What he does. You're gonna <laughs> overshadow that with the new work that you're doing. Like I said, we're coming to the end of this thing, and I ask the same question of everybody because you've gone through all these different trials and different sufferings and throughout your life. What do you think your suffering has taught you? Hmm. Okay, so it doesn't seem that way, but I try to be humble, and I try to listen to, let's say, both or three, all three sides to a story. Because your side, my side, and the truth. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a lot of jump, rush to judgment, and and don't believe the media at all. Don't believe anything you read in the newspapers. But do your own investigative work if you want. If you want to have an opinion on something, and and we all do it. You know, we, we're all guilty of jumping to conclusions. Oh, look, they locked this. You know, we don't know. You know, and I, and and so I don't want to use some bad examples because it might be insensitive. But certainly, like someone ends up dead, but you don't know why. And I'm not justifying that. Or someone ends up in a bad situation. You don't know why. You know, l- let the facts come. I mean, cops, you know, the, the cops in, in Milwaukee, though, the cops in Oregon or the cops in, in Dallas, they end up in a situation. We only see what they want you to see. You know, exactly. how many times do you see it's, oh, he's a, they don't even tell you that the cops why black. The, the cop, uh, they, they killed this unarmed black man, but, but there were black police officers. So it's not a racial thing. So don't, don't jump to conclusions in life. You know, let things unfold either naturally or do some investigative work because I've found that we end up, we all end up judgmental and I think we should keep an open mind. But I really am. Yeah. I'm willing to listen. In fact, I found that most of us have more things in common than not. And well, that because, should unite us That's because than we, be, us. we become married to our opinions. Well, Michael Dowd, you, I do want to say this. You are a part of the police family. Because, like I said, you are providing a service right now from a perspective that very few officers will ever understand and ever be a part of. Thankfully, thankfully, we don't want we don't want bad police officers, but the ones that are there need to teach us how to avoid those traps. I thank you so much for coming in today. And, really and unfortunately, you are part of the Suffering Podcast family. Now yeah, too also, bad. So. You're suffering. in. Well, I've been suffering a lot. <laughs> this was a suffrage. Welcome to the club. This was a suffrage. Thank you very much, guys, for having me. Well, let's think about all the stuff that we learned today. We learned that anxiety, that's your conscience talking to you. Don't play tug of war with your past. Give those around you the tools from your own toolbox. And most importantly, we fall, but we're still human. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Suffering Podcast. The suffering, what did we decide on? The suffering of a fall from a cop's fall from grace. Fall from grace. <laughs> Find us on Instagram. Took, took us a long time. Took us to a get long that. time to figure it. <laughs> Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and we will see you on the next episode of the Suffering Podcast. <laughs>